Hello, and welcome to another episode of Two Beers, Please. I am Matthew Phillips. He's Yannick Incarnasau, marathon champion from the weekend. Round of applause. I did not win the marathon. Let's be very clear about that. I think finishing a marathon is winning the marathon. I feel like that with any distance race. A distance race is all a battle within yourself. And actually, not even finishing that. Showing up, giving your best. That's a fucking win so Yannick, thank you're, you you're a winner uh we're ready to talk about all things sports and what other random stuff inevitably comes up like where the hell is nelly Furtado? I, I, great I don't question know. i miss her where's the docuseries on that yeah <laughs> that is gonna be my new thing i'm like did you ever, there's this really great documentary called it's called searching for sugar man i think i got that no right. and he's about he's he was like kind of a 70s, 80s rock guy and like just like was like kind of under the rug and like people like were just like, oh, we don't know where the hell he went and all that. So I'm going to I'm going to do that for Nelly Furtado. It's probably going to be a much easier documentary to finish. But what if she's you like, uncover I'm, like, I'm right shit. here. What if you uncover some fucking shit like somehow Nelly Furtado and Tupac are connected? Oh, my God. You just never knew. You never freaking knew. <laughs> I I would not have guessed that one. Chewbacca and Nelly Furtado to be connected, but that's maybe why the documentary will. Crime. <laughs> yeah, Nelly Furtado is just like wrapped up in a lot of stuff that we have no idea of, and everyone's just been like, "Ah, oh, she's probably fine." It's Nelly Furtado. Yeah, she can't be involved. Look at her. She's she's like a bird. She's always gonna fly away. Well, whatever you are, Nelly Furtado, we <laughs> we we love you. Uh, lots of basketball to talk about, of course, Yannick. Even some college basketball. Uh, got some soccer to discuss. And then, of course, it's our our favorite week, Yannick. It's the NFL Draft Week, which I... Yesterday, I was just, like, looking at draft stuff. And I was like, oh, yeah, what is that draft? Because partly, too, like, the way they always just, like, talk about it. It was like, and that draft coming up uh, here soon, even when it's, like, two months away. But this time, I was like, okay, it's actually probably coming up soon. And it is... As of recording right now, it's two days away. Uh, so it's it's basically here. Do you think I was kind of thinking, I was like, it feels like this one's crept up on us. Do you think it's kind of because it's, this is a no offense to this class, but as far as the an, analyst and such and such have said, an underwhelming class? Yeah, absolutely. You know, because there's no I mean, there are conversations still to have, but like Last year, for example, we had like three months of trying to pick the order of five quarterbacks. So there was just more to talk about. And like teams were like being coy with what they were going to do because a lot of teams were making choices that were going to affect their franchise's history. Where I just don't think, I think a lot of teams can get a lot of players that will make their teams better in this draft. But I don't think anyone's looking at any of these players like a surefire franchise changer, any of them from the top to the bottom. So, you know, it, there's just like not a lot. What is going to change that hasn't already changed in free agency? You know, free agency was so crazy. This draft almost kind of feels like underwhelming compared to the craziness of that. It's like the biggest thing we have to look forward to is where is where is Malik Willis going to go and how, you know, how much are people going to oversell for him? Um, but yeah, it's not, you know, <clears throat> I don't think it's also like we're underappreciating 
I'm sorry, you guys are college players. No one knows what you're going to be like until you're the pros. Baker Mayfield may never play another snap, and he was the number one pick. So, like, you know, who are we to talk? Just come into the NFL, do well, and then we'll talk about you then. I don't know. Right. Don't, <laughs> I don't, like... don't let the – well, I mean, like, because there are classes where they're like, yeah, these guys are going to be studs, and this class isn't getting that love. But it's certainly – the analysts don't define what your draft class does. Um, there's even – I can't remember what NBA – I think it was like – maybe even just from a couple of years ago, one of those draft classes in the NBA that like people were like, Oh, this class is going to suck. And now it's turning out to be like, I think it's 20, maybe just 2020 that has Desmond Bain and Tyrese Maxey and stuff like that. So like, just because your class doesn't. And I think too, I mean, a lot of times with like draft excitement, it comes down to like, <laughs> really you need a lot of quarterback hype and there's not that like, sometimes you can get some D line hype uh, to like, hype it up but even that the conversation of like because Hutchinson has kind of ruled that conversation for most of of the the time and now it kind of feels like Trayvon Walker like even Hutchinson isn't that not, I, that's probably not fair because top prospects get caught by guys before but it feels like this year there there was a lot less of a fight for Trayvon Walker to like kind of come out of nowhere to now be the odds on betting favorite to be the top pick and that that felt that feels like surprising me and maybe it's just like how people look at the class but like we said it you you can say all these guys aren't going to be all that good and this class could become incredible like the, the Tom Brady is uh, all the evidence we need that drafts are Tom Brady and Jamarcus Russell is the only comparison you need to to show that there is no perfect science to the NFL draft yeah, no, for sure. And also, I still think it's surprising that we haven't heard as much because you said something a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about the draft, first of all, uh, when we just like mentioned it and you were like, you know, you mentioned like this class of receivers is actually dope. And the more that the weeks have gone on and I've like done my research more on the draft, I'm like. I think this class should be getting hype. You have like six or seven receivers that could Dude, all become one, two receivers on teams, like very feasibly. So yeah, like I'm looking at the top four and I'm like, these guys could all be number ones. These guys could all be number ones if they're, right. if they're developed correctly. Like I, and they're all such good ways. They're such good players. We'll talk about it later, but they're such good players in different ways. You have some big target men. You have some deep threats. You have some great slot players. There's just all these different positions that are in there that are going to be exciting to see. So I think they should be getting more love, but you're right. Like if there's not quarterback hype, there's no hype. That's just like the truth of it. <laughs> yeah. People like really only want to get hyped up in, in all of that, um, which yeah. I, I, I certainly get it, and those certain, those certain those players do have a, quite an impact on your team, so uh, it's important. Fair enough. Um, but yeah, no, I, I agree, especially like I think partly too, like I've gotten more because, like you said, that top four, like I would love. We'll talk about this more, but the Packers somehow being able to get one of those guys. But even as I like research this this class more, and and like Traylon Burks from Arkansas, and uh, there's a receiver from North Dakota State who I'm blanking on his name, and we're probably going to go get him, and he's probably going to be a stud now because I'm blanking on his name. But, like, so many guys are out where I'm like, ooh, you know, we might not have to reach up all that high to, to get a guy that's going to be able to impact the game. And I think we've seen, too, like, how much earlier players certainly are, but, like, receivers, I think, more and more are, like, being able to come and impact the, the game right away. Like, look, it, 
you can't expect, I think, any of your rookie receivers to go have a Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, even Jalen Waddle type. Like some of these guys are having like historic type seasons, which partly has to do with just like the passing game of the NFL. But even if you don't get that level, just the the amount that rookies are able to impact the game now is it like so much easier and, and so much quicker than it was even just a few years ago. I agree. And like, I'll just say this now, I wasn't going to make this uh, pick later in the in the conversation. So I'll say it now. I think the biggest impact from this draft is going to be one of these receivers dropping to a team that didn't expect them to be there and them making a play for them and that receiver going off. Like, I think that there's a team that's going to be like, wow, we're at 23 and here's, you know, so-and-so because everybody's getting defensive linemen and, you know, we don't necessarily need a receiver, but like he's the best player on the draft board. Let's get him. And I yeah. think that that that's what's going to happen. I think someone's going to go off and it's going to be like, how do we let this guy drop? And it's, you know, I, you know, I think that's what's going to happen. I do. And I'm hoping at pick 21 that maybe the Patriots are that team. But, you know, yeah. we'll see. <laughs> both of us are hoping that happens. So yeah. let, let all the receivers fall, please. That like, ACL, well, that ACL injury for Jamison Williams. Oh, God, you, you don't want to touch him. No, stay far away. He'll never come back from that. Yeah. And a surprising twist, the Patriots and Packers took all the receivers in this year's draft. <laughs> just like all, all 15, 16 receivers in the first three rounds. <laughs> I'm over here just like, give me a receiver. I don't just I, I don't care what the intangibles. I don't care what the name is. I just want to hear at some point from Roger Goodell's mouth wide receiver and and i'll be i'll be happy i'll be somewhat happy i'll be happy in that huh. there you go happy enough that's what we're that's going all you, for that's all you can hope for in in life yeah are, are you sipping on a beer today i am uh, you know what i didn't do anything fancy because i i'm post marathon they want to go crazy on it so i got a nice little but it's ice cold corona and i'm i'm uh i'm hyped for it i'm gonna open it right now we are past noon Oh, uh, yeah. So there you go. We are past noon. So I feel like I can drink it. And yeah, I just, I never go wrong with this. And, you know, and also, for those Corona. of you, oh, Corona's so good. And uh, for all of the you listening, we're going to start having consistent um, posts of our of our beers that we're drinking episode-wise on the Instagram page um, starting today. So that'll be fun for you guys to join and watch our journey slash see if we just drink the same thing every time. Yeah. Uh, now we're really going to so, have to be honest. Yeah. I'm, hey, I'm down. So, yeah. What are you drinking today? I've got a uh, – it's a Goose Island beer, but it's it's called Tropical Bear Hug. That sounds – And it's uh, – uh, I keep doing this. I keep doing it. It's really good. It's an Imperial IPA, but I keep doing this where, I mean, I guess Imperial, I should know because I'm pretty sure. I don't know what it specifically means, but I feel like Imperial, the alcohol content's a little bit more. So this one's 9.9. So mm. it's, a, it's a tall boy, and I'm just having like half of it. That's fair. You know, uh, wow, 9.9. That's See, I'm a little person. When I when I drink a 9.9, that's it for me, especially Dude, a tall if boy. I drink, for, if I it. drink that whole thing right now, it's like the, this day is probably not going to be all that productive. Oh no! I I don't even know if I'd be able to get through the episode. Yeah, that's fair. No, I, no, I'm t- I'm tougher than that. You are. You would get make it through the episode. I think we would just have one or two more controversial statements that we have to go through. <laughs> oh or man! I just, 
All right. Well, it depends what kind of. I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm more of a happy drunk than an angry drunk. So that's because I, I was going to be like, or I just argue like every point, but I probably would be more like, yeah, I agree. I'm a pretty. Yeah. You know what? Yeah, dude. <laughs> you're right, dude. Great point. You're right. I'm right, and I'm going to go over there and give you a big old tropical bear hug. <laughs> yeah, I don't really. The name is. Uh, yeah. For those of for those of you in the gay community, a tropical bear hug sounds like sounds like uh, something, some kind of coded word. Tropical bear hug, just on its surface level name, sounds pretty. <laughs> It's good. I mean, hey, if it tastes good, then it is good. That's pretty. Beer, that's that's all you need. Yeah, that's a <laughs> gotta have a catchy name. It's got a cool. The bear. There's a bear on the on the can. He's got glasses. You know, I think the bear. You know, is uh, <laughs> real tropical. I think you're already more than halfway through that beer, aren't you? You said only half, but I I think you finished it off already. Oh, I can't. I can't. Like I said, it's past 12, but it's not, you know, (laughs) it's not that late late today. And it's a Tuesday. Come on. I got to sit the buyer higher for myself. Make sure that you like, review, subscribe, do it all for us. You know, how much we appreciate all the love that you guys give us. Uh, Make sure you're following on the Facebook page, the Instagram page, two beers, please, underscore podcast, the Twitter to BP underscore podcast. Should we talk about Twitter? Should we talk about Twitter? What, like Elon Musk? Oh, I think my favorite, because like, there's a lot of takes where I'm like, all right, and he didn't just like buy 17 nukes. Like there's people that are like, this is the end of the freaking world. But I think the best take literally is just like, that, that's what you bought with 40? Like, not even of like the comparison of like, you could have helped a lot of people. I'm just like, that's just a dumb purchase of, of like, if I got $40 billion, I'm using it for something cooler than to buy Twitter. Yeah, no, exactly. Also, like, I think it's just a troll move. I think he has so much money that he's yeah. just like, why don't I'm bored? Why don't I do this and see right. what happens? And I also have, like, do I want billionaires being in control of major things at the end of the day no but at the end of the day they are so i yeah. i what <laughs> we're, we're probably the people running twitter like billionaires probably any like it's not like he like bought the red cross from i don't even that's probably not even a good comparison but well i mean <laughs> there's just so many other worse you know people to, things to be involved with it's not like he went over and was like you know who i think should have 40 billion Vladimir Putin in his in his fight against the world. Yeah. That would have been worse, right? Yeah. Like we could all yeah. agree that would have That's been right, worse. Like, yeah, like people are like, this is like a Lex Luthor move. I'm just like, no, nah, it just kind of seems dumb. Like I don't just it seems like he like or like whatever fight he like wants to take on. I'm just like, I don't I don't understand what you I want everyone to have access to Twitter. And, okay. Honestly, who goes that's, to Twitter? That's not and, the same it's not the same as like protecting free speech. <laughs> Right. This is wanting everyone to have access to Twitter. Also, like, how much worse does Elon Musk have to be before we even consider him as like shady as Mark Zuckerberg owning Facebook and Instagram? Right. Like, yeah, you know, and, you know, we don't trust that guy. And that's where more of the popularity is anyway nowadays. So 
Elon, or I just go on. I'm like, this stuff is dumb. Everything is dumb on Twitter. Twitter sucks. I actually, <laughs> I was super close to deleting my Twitter the other day, and I was like, oh, well, I should probably keep it around for the podcast. Mm. But before I even bought it, I was like, the other night, I was just like, I wanted to delete all my. I need to take a social media break. Yeah, I. You get, uh, bogged, you get bogged down in it. You do need to take one every so often. That's definitely for sure. Um, but what I've done at of- least is I've hidden the app. You know? Yeah, that's good. That's good. I've deleted some of the apps off my phone that I don't use a lot for anything other than to scroll. Um, so that's kind of what I did. Um, and I have like a timer on my Instagram app. So unless that's I'm really smart. doing like work on it, I only give myself like a half hour a day. And then it's like, you're done. And then I have to decide if I'm going to be a dick today and just keep going. But um no, I, I yeah, yeah, that's what probably would happen to me. I'd be like, no, I'm fucking not. LOL. Don't tell me what to <laughs> You're do. You're telling me what to do? Hell oh, no. Man. I um, have to keep scrolling and see things that are meaningless. Ugh, what else am I going to do if not see meaningless things on Twitter? Um, no, I also want to shout out our Instagram followers because we had a post go off for like 550 likes the other Let's day. And, uh, you guys rock. So thank you so much. And we will continue to bring you the content. Um, I also love that the post was was our no sleep till episode, which was just my one of my favorite titles that we've come up with. Um, and, shout, out, and, shout out to the Beastie Boys, baby. Yeah, and you know that's the best thing to happen to Brooklyn anytime recently. So <laughs> there you go. In Brooklyn is uh, worst thing is the basketball happening in Brooklyn. Oh. oh no! Oh no! Can't wait to talk. It'll be good fun. Yeah, I saw a, a lot of uh, LeBron KD comparisons last night. I was like, this seems kind of like sort of just like KD is not good at all. And I was like, this seems like obscene overreaction but we'll get into it let's start though yan college basketball because that is where the breaking news is from jay wright the villanova head coach for the last 20 years 21 years uh, or so um stepping down retiring two-time national champion uh dominated the biggie especially over the last decade um the guy who took villanova to leave four final fours most recently just this past year um but yeah, what to you, what what do you think Jay Wright's kind of legacy is um in, in college basketball now that he's he's stepping away from the game? Simply put, he created one of the best basketball cultures of all time. Now I'm not saying he, you know, created the most winning winningness culture. That's not necessarily what I'm um, commenting about. But Villanova went from going to the NIT his first three years to being a competitor you know, to being a top recruit location and then to being an NCAA championship contender year after year after year. And and that was all Jay Wright's doing um, in these last couple in these last couple decades. And I think, you know, his contribution to USA basketball as well. And just an all around, you know, a good influence on his on his uh, college and his team and the sport in years where there was a lot of people who were successful who are not necessarily good influences. Um, I think that that is kind of his legacy is like building a really great and really healthy basketball culture in Villanova. One that was successful and one that will, I think be have prolonged success because of the setup he had. Um, 
And you know, I think top twenty coach all time is 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 definitely something you can argue, um, given everything he was able to do there. So I think that that's his legacy, and that's a good legacy to leave behind. And we'll see what he does now. Um, you know, whether he goes to the NBA, how long he takes off before he makes his next move. Yeah, I mean, he's still a relatively young man, uh, especially kind of in that profession. I think just right about 60 years old. Uh, one of only 15 head coaches to ever win multiple national championships. Bill Self, you know, just joining that club this year. So not not a club that gets a lot of people joining it. Um, and, of course, you know, just one of the elite coaches since taking over at Villanova. I think over the last two decades, you have to say, one of one of the best coaches in the game. Um I think you could really make the argument that he's top 10 coach of all time, um, especially because I think doing it in the modern game is, is tougher because there's more talent. The talent's more spread around. Um, but I think you make a great point. Like when he, Villanova had success certainly in the eighties, uh, but even when they won that national championship, they were an eight seed. Uh, and he took a, a, a solid respectable program at a time when the big East was full of, dogs i mean like the big east was as good as it gets and as we see with sec football there's some aid to be had to be in a conference that's that good and that loaded with, with talent because it can attract other talent but you have to have the right person at the helm like not everybody in the big east went on to win uh not everybody in sec football has been able to turn their progress around because they're in a good conference so it's like not a given thing he was the right guy at the right time brought that team back i mean had him as a, a number one seed in 2006 and then within five years of, of being the, the head coach. Um, and, and so I think building that program. And then, like you said, the, the culture that he built, like even coach K eventually succumbed to the pressures of the one and done. Like he was like, I, I have to, I got to do it. I got to go after these guys. And Jay Wright was never, he, he certainly could have probably could have done that. And, and it's not like he was getting, untalented players, but knew the kind of guys that he wanted to build the kind of program that he wanted led to, you know, those two national championships in three years, another final four this year. I mean, like, like you said, just kind of the standard for, for what you'd want from, from a, a program. I do. I, I sort of worry about the future of the big East right now, just because it, it's already was not what it used to be. And I think losing a guy like Jay Wright and just the personality it is, um, it makes me worry a little bit. I, I think it'll be fine, at least regionally. Um, but it's a conference that's not been as nationally relevant um, besides Villanova. So I hope that that uh, losing him doesn't hurt the conference overall. But yeah, I, I, I really, I, I think top 10 coach of all time. I, I like that. I, I, I toyed with saying top 10 coach and my, and I think my reason for saying top 20 was maybe I gave the older people's a little more credit um, but you're right. Like the game is so much different and more challenging nowadays than it was back then, especially in college. Like NBA, you can say whatever you want, but like college has just transcended itself on a different level um, from the beginning, from the roots to now. So I, I definitely think that's a fair thing to say. And as for the Big East, you know, I agree that there's a vacuum, but I think, you know, you got Ed Cooley and Providence. And most importantly, you have the Marquette Golden Eagles ready to take over at any point. And you know Shaka Smart's chomping at the bit to win that Big East title next year. <laughs> Saying it right now, Big East champions Ugh. next year. Mark it right here. 
And once I get my shirt, I'll be able to. I have it right. Rock it. Yeah. Well, well, well I'm we'll trying to join. I'm trying time. to join. I'm trying to join the. No, we won't. I just told you. Oh, because you're going. Yeah, dang it. Well, when you. I'm when barely you get gonna back. be. I'm barely gonna be in New York. <sighs> we're gonna have to really. We're gonna have to really. Uh, I was thinking that I was like sick. That means when I am barely here, like I'll just. I'll just have to go hang out with friends. Otherwise, I won't see him enough. Yeah, there you go. See, no, but I, I do think that, I think the I think the conference is in like a good enough position to still you know, and there is still great. Co- I mean, Shaka Smart, Ed Cooley, um, Greg McDermott, some yeah. good, good some good good coaches. Um, but yeah, it's sad. Sad is mostly I was just like sad to see Jay Wright go, especially with like I mean I love to kind of hate on Coach K, but he's a stalwart and and Roy Williams and. Those guys were a little bit more expected just with their age. Or Jay Wright, like it was so, so kind of out of the blue. So we wish him the best um, in, in whatever endeavor he goes in next, even if that's just kicking back and enjoying those two national championship rings because he deserves it. Jan, next year. Now we're already we're tur- we're turning on turning over the new leaf. We're sorry, Jay Wright. We've heard a lot of of returning players, particularly for the Tar Heels. Okay, love coming back. RJ Davis, Armando Baycott. I mean, basically everybody that was kind of a question mark for them is coming back. With all those returning players, are the runners up from last year the favorite going into the 2022-2023 season? I think they're a favorite. However, I still think that there are questions. I gave him a lot of love when he got there. So I feel like it's fair for me to now give a little bit of of questions. You know, I think there is still a question about how Hubert Davis does in his second season. You know, a big reason that UNC was able to make this run is because he made a lot of changes mid-season and they all worked out and I don't think teams were expecting it and I think he positioned his players to get the most out of them that he could. You know, Caleb Love, RG Davis, Armando Baycott, all great players. How great they are, we'll see in this next season. Like how many you know, I think people look at these players and sometimes think, oh, all lottery picks. And I think that's still TBD, um, considering how if they that- were all if they were all lottery picks. They wouldn't all be coming back. All right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but people there's, are talking there's a reason, about it like that. Yeah. But like people that, you know, are foolish. I'm not saying you. I'm not saying you are um, saying that. But yeah, like they. Yeah, they're coming back because I'm sure they're like, ah, we almost got. But they're also all coming back because the draft like, people are like, yeah, you're not. They're not going to go that high. Right, exactly. So I think there's some questions. I think, you know, people will... The the good thing about bringing a team back is that you have cohesion. The bad thing is that people have that much more tape on you to figure out how to beat you. So I will see how Hubert Davis does kind of now being a known commodity, uh, how he's able to coach through his second season. And I also think on top of that, you know, you got Kansas still there. You know, we'll see what the ramifications are of the of the indictments that are probably to come. But if it's not like Bill Self being out for a year, and even if it was, I think Kansas is, can still be considered a favorite. And I think Arkansas, we've talked about, you know, they're really become a top recruitment place. They, they really showed out in the tournament. They're only going to get better. So I think those three are my favorites. I wouldn't say the Tar Heels are my odds on favorite but but i will say that they are a favorite they have to be considered a favorite um with all those returning players yeah i mean i think because and like i think for me the biggest question with them is like the is the guard play and how how consistent can caleb love and rj smith or rj davis be because 
uh, towards the end of the year from the most part. And then certainly through the, the tournament, they were, they weren't forcing plays. They weren't shooting dumb shots. They weren't turning the ball over in bad and bad spots, which would then like help the other team until that second half against Kansas, where Kansas was just such a stalwart, solid defensive team that once North Carolina started shooting themselves in the foot, like we'd seen them do a lot throughout the year, um, that Kansas was able to come back and come back quick. We talked about that. That come, I mean, that 50 point lead was gone right when the second half started. It felt like, like, uh, so if those guys can come back and play more consistently, can make better decisions, which I think a year, you know, learning under Hubert Davis, even more so will, will probably only help them. They got some good recruits coming in too. So I, I, I'm certainly like, I, they don't feel like a favorite in the sense of like, I'm like, Oh yeah, North Carolina, like they are, they, they're going to go and win it all. I think I'd probably put them preseason number one, just because of the guys they have. But, but I agree, you know, Arkansas has got a lot coming in and, and picked up another, some transfers. UCLA is still waiting on some decisions. So we know they'll be good. Houston's going to bring back a lot uh, and have, has maybe the, the highest recruit, I think in their history, we've seen Kelvin Sampson. I mean, like this, this team's gone to at least the elite eight, the last three seasons. Um, and even like I said, at Kansas, Kentucky, Duke, like they're all going to also bring in a bunch of future NBA players and, and make things difficult. So, I've got, I think I'd put UNC preseason number one, but yeah, I agree. I, I don't feel like they're like, oh, big time favorite. Would you, who would you have your preseason number one coming into next year right now? And obviously there's still some moving parts. There's still, I think there's still a lot of transfers that are up in the air. Right. Like, and what happens to Villanova's players now that Jay Wright left? That might be a fallout too. That happens a little bit. Um, we'll see. I doesn't, I haven't heard too much, but I have heard at least one guy who's like weighing his options. Um, yeah. Well, and they can all, with how it's set now too, it's like you can explore it and not necessarily leave. Right. A hundred percent. I think I would go Kansas. I think it's close between Kansas and UNC for me. And because it's close and because I don't know what the ramifications suspensions are going to be for Kansas, I still, I'll still go Kansas just because I, yeah, just because they won, I have to get, I think I give them the preseason then. Uh, so do you, close. do you think, do you think Braun McCormick and Agbaji are coming back then? I don't think all three of them. I don't think Agbaji is coming back. I think Braun and McCormick might come back. I think McCormick, especially, I don't know if he did what he needed to do, even with that strong end to like warrant his best season. And I think McCormick, especially is a guy that can be like, okay, I had a rough beginning of the season. Now take the end of last season where I took us to a championship, a strong season next season. You know, I can position myself well. And uh, Agbaji doesn't need to come back. Maybe he does, but I, I don't think he needs to come back. I think that he, I think he's done what he needs to do. But uh, but for me, it's also, you know, Bill Self is going to have a lot of recruits to work with again. And, and I think that that's always going to be dangerous, especially for a Kansas side that got it done again and, and is on the heels of that. Uh, but it's close. It's definitely close between those three. Like I said, I could put any of them preseason one. I wouldn't put Arkansas preseason one just because a lot of the, it's a lot of like, it could be really great. Um, so maybe I put them too, but I have Kansas, I think at the end at preseason one. You want to know the last time the defending champion has gone past the sweet 16? Oh, I don't know. What's the last time? 2007. Oh, wow. When, when Florida won it all again, they brought back their entire starting five. I, the, yeah, I get, the respect, I get the respect you're giving them, but like, I don't think they're going to bring back enough or are bringing enough in for them to, to be a, a preseason 
number one. Bill will have them, of course. The thing with Bill Self is he's such a great coach. Like they're always, they're probably going to win the Big 12. They're probably going to be a top three seed. But going back to back is. It's hard. Pretty darn tough. Not even, well, not, not even going back to back. Like I said, I mean, literally defending champs have not. And even the amount of, of teams from 2007 to this year that have not even made the Sweet 16 is, as we saw Baylor this year, didn't do it. Um, so it uh, heavy weighs the crown, right? Yeah, it's the World Cup. It's the NCAA championship. Champions yeah. did not come in and perform well. I uh, can't wait for France to get knocked out in their group. It's going to be so much fun to watch. I cannot wait. That would um, be insane. It would, be, would insane. be insane. Because this group, more than any other, I mean, Italy's group in 2010 also felt like they couldn't possibly get knocked out. So, like, but this but group that, really. That group that, like, all pulled out to, like, play pretty well, didn't they? What group was that in 2010? Or was that the it, was, it was 2014, the group that was actually decent? At 2010, I think was the New Zealand group where they tied okay. New Zealand. If I'm correct, yeah. I I don't. Yeah, uh, maybe it wasn't even so much their group. God, they just played. They played so so bad in that right. tournament. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. No, that was not the good group. Paraguay, Slovakia, New Zealand. Yeah, and Slovakia ended up being surprising that tournament. I remember because they had yeah. Hamzik and they had all those good players. And Paraguay is not a bad side, but like, but yeah, a, gr- a group that you look at. <laughs> I, I think more for me always with France is just like they're like we said about past champions. Like the French team is like now entering their prime of age, where all those teams, while they were old, were certainly not. Like, like France was so young as a team to win it last time where God didn't knock out of the group. It'd be, <laughs> but at the same time, France loves to be volatile as shit. So that's what I'm saying. It's like, there's always some volatility that comes after winning. It happened with Germany in 2018 too. You know, they banned those three players after the world cup from the team for a while. Um, they and... just had to be hoping their volatility was the, the, the Euro collapse. Right, or that their volatility comes after the tournament again. They just have to yeah. be like, let's win again, and then we can all fall to the ground we'll and, and be caught in a scandal. Um, no, and, and going back to what you said earlier, just because I want to comment before we move on about the guard play with UNC, I agree, and if I'm Hubert Davis, I look at Caleb Love, and I just tell him, listen, my man, I you, you are no longer running point, because he his best play comes when he's taking those dumb shots, and not when he's taking them, like, instead of, you know, being the outlet passer. So I'm telling Caleb Love, listen, you learn to hit your shots, improve that accuracy, you know, take yeah, a couple better need, shots. He needs the ball in his hands, you know? Like, he's yeah, so Yeah, so let R.J. Davis find him then. That's it. I think R.J. Davis right, needs to be the big guy. Right, but he still needs to, like, but, yeah, but, like, I still think how you use Caleb Love, you're going to use him with, like, create your shot. I think, I think for him, it's just like you, you just have to make better decisions. Like, he just makes dumb decisions. Like, he just does. And he's yeah. a young player. There's plenty of yeah. time to to make smart. But, like, because, like, the way – I get I get what you mean, and I agree. I think R.J. Davis should certainly be the primary ball handler for that team. Like, I think right. when Caleb Love it starts running the offense too much through him, because he doesn't really run the offense. It's kind of like, all right, just Caleb Love time. So, yeah, it has, like, it has to be R.J. Davis's – team in that in that sense for sure and then and then when he does when, they, when it is time to Caleb it's like all right pick your you don't always have to shoot right it has to be plan b and and he has to say listen we're gonna have to go to plan b a couple times because we're gonna be down or we're gonna need we're gonna be in a dog fight and you're unique you're gonna need to turn it up a notch and when we go to plan b 
you need to make those shots that you're taking instead of instead of not passing. Like you need to make those shots. You can't if you're going to be taking those shots on point, then you need to make them. You know. Yeah. yeah. Don't dribble. Don't dribble yourself in the precarious situation. Like he just he likes to get himself to precarious situation. And then like he's talented enough where sometimes then he makes this incredible play and it looks amazing. So like it's the talk about volatility. Maybe he's French. All right, guys, let's move to the NBA. Caleb Love. Where Caleb Love <laughs> will be someday. That did not mean to rhyme. Oh, I'm wow. a poet, and I didn't even know that I was rhyming those words. Oh, damn it, Matt. You were so close. <laughs> That's a Brooklyn Nine-Nine reference. All right, Jan. Most impressive playoff team so far. In the, the, Celt- in the NBA? The, the Celtics, right? No, I'm not saying the Celtics, because here's why. Here's I, why. I am. They're the only team That's- that swept anybody. That's fair, but like, I'm not saying the Celtics because I think that the Celtics for me, because you want to have a little variety. I oh, yes, exactly a little variety as well, but also because they've been playing like that since midseason. So for me, impressive kind of notates something that like, wow, I'm impressed that. And granted, I'm impressed that they swept the Nets, but I'm 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 almost I'm almost more like concerned about the Nets than I did about Boston. Boston just played like they normally do. They didn't step up necessarily in a way that was like we haven't seen. So for me, for that I don't reason, know, that defense they they turned up that defense. I think a little a little bit more. Fair enough. Pretty, but I'm picking I'm picking the yeah. New Orleans Pelicans. Come on, no nice. one expected to give them the <laughs> series. And honestly, with this Devin Book and Bick Booker injury, and with Brandon Ingram and and McCollum playing like Katie and Kyrie for whatever reason, I like they could win. They could win that series against a team that is was has been the clear favorite all season is the Suns. And granted, there is an injury involved fine, but even with the injury and the way that not even just those two players are playing, the way that Herbert Jones is playing on the defense. Mark my words, Herbert Jones going to win Defensive Player of the Year one year. It, it's going to be in the future, <laughs> but he's going to win Defensive Player of the Year. That man is so, so good. I like, I I like that. I like that call. I love Herbert Jones. He's got like a mean mug. He's he's just like a he's a good good player. Um, yeah. And then Jose Alvarado, yeah, he's oh the man, my God, uh, just really impressive. You know, for a team that barely made the plan and really only made the plan because the Lakers faltered so much. Who knows what would have happened otherwise? Um, and now for them to be giving the Suns a series, that's the most impressive for me. And I'm really impressed with Brandon Ingram. You know, we've known how good he is. There's been some injuries, but now he's really, you know, reminding us of the star that he is. Uh, So he is my most impressed. They are my most (coughs) impressive playoff team. Don't worry. I'll give I'll give Boston some love later. (laughs) (laughs) I knew you would. You find it. You find a way to do that anytime. Well, until it gets real dark and then and then it's like the Bayern ship a couple weeks ago. They're off with all their heads. Yeah, that's, we were shipping that's Lewandowski. True, we were shipping that's a true everyone, everyone fucking away. I'm, well, I'm, I'm going with the Celtics because, like, I, I agree with you. I think a lot of this is like the Nets' struggles, and I think, I think there's a bit of a panic on the on the Nets. We'll talk about more of that later. But like, it's also like how this team has had no consistency for three years. So really, once you kind of think about it, it's like, yeah, why why would we expected them to be, especially a team like the Celtics that have been building this foundation for a while. And have you know really found that that click in the in that last third of the season, last half of the season defensively. Um, 
where it, once you like on the surface, you'd be like, oh, yeah, this this will be. And, and look, the Nets should have played better. The Nets still play bad. But I, a lot I get to, to the the Celtics because like that, that defense did step it up and just made things so, so difficult on everyone. Like Nets didn't play well, but the Celtics made it very, very difficult for them to, to get in any sort of groove. Uh, Tatum and Brown stepped up. They were efficient. Marcus Smart did everything as he always does. And just, just the defensive cohesiveness is, uh, is how you, you win. It's part of the reason like the Suns are so good. And part of the reason we've seen the Bucks win and, and teams and the Warriors, like during their time, their offense was always uh, incredible, but so was their defense. And, and it, there was their team defense. Like there's, you can't one-on-one stop a guy in the NBA. Like you, these guys are too good. And so you, you have to defend with five guys. And, and right now I think the Celtics are the best team doing it in the NBA. Um, and, and I'm going to give also honorable mention. I know now they're down three, one, but I, I good job, Chicago. You gave them a fight and yeah, I, I respect did. that. I respect that, which will be now most impressive player. I was, uh, I was lazy. I picked the, I picked the three MVP candidates just cause I, I feel like Joel has really Raptors certainly making things tough on him. Wouldn't it be crazy if the Raptors did the first three oh, L comeback? I I I I like I don't. There's something about the series where I'm like I, I told maybe, you that the Raptors maybe, could, I said could it was gonna them. I said it was gonna go seven games. Yeah, no, for, no. For a bit there, I was watching the series and like, man, we're both gonna look like idiots. Like the Sixers <laughs> are gonna they're sweep gonna get swept. <laughs> and both of us were like, this is gonna be a series. And right now, like coming back three, was so hard. But <laughs> the Raptors just have the moxie to do it. But this is Joel's time. He's been just an absolute stud. That game winner i think like just kind of embodied the kind of player he's been now that he's been able to be healthy be the superstar Giannis on the same coin like that second game was so impressive by the bulls obviously losing chris Middleton was tough and so you know he's coming back and he's like nah this is my team this is we're the champions he spearheaded that and then again i know they're down three one but you got to give some love to joker what he's doing against the warriors with with that team i know i, I know i was giving some love to that roster but it's still like especially against the warriors they've got no chance and the fact that the nuggets got a win i think deserves <laughs> some applause for nikola jokic i agree good on you jokic there's so many stars that have better players around them that aren't balling like he is so i, I love uh, that man he's great I uh, I went with a more, I, I guess, non-MVP pick. And it's the man out of Dallas. And no, I do not mean Luka Doncic. I mean Villanova oh, yeah. star Jalen Brunson. He's got <laughs> five games in the series. 24 points, 41 points, 31 points, 23 points, 24 points. He is a bona fide baller. He's going to get, no matter what happens, if the Jazz somehow win these next two games, which doesn't look they're like not, it considering they got pummeled last night like truly was the most embarrassing thing i've seen they're, out of utah they're in a so while. embarrassing there it's really really as bad as soon Go- as the playoffs come like that's the one time the utah should be so happy that they're in salt lake city and nobody gives a shit about them because they become so embarrassing yeah also rudy gobert should have his defensive player of the year award stripped after that display <laughs> against Luka Doncic. He has to be gone next year, right? Like he has the, to. The, like the Mitchell Gobert, like it has to end. Yeah, someone's got to go. They need a change. Of, they need a change anyway, like clearly with this team. And like those guys don't like each other. It's obvious. Yeah, 
It's so funny because all the other because you kind of have two set different types of teams in the NBA right now. You have the teams that are consistent. The players know each other so well, and they're at the peak of their abilities because of that, like the Suns, the Bucks, the Celtics. And you have these star teams like the Nets, the Sixers, right? And Utah is that consistency team because they've all played together but somehow the more they play together the worse they get and i'm just like i don't know how that happens <laughs> like you guys shouldn't you guys should get better not worse you guys are literally the same team like yeah. what is going on over there i have no idea um you know as much as people are like don't take the lakers job uh to that coach i'm like well i mean how much worse is it than this utah job at this point i don't know um <laughs> it's 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 hard to take the lakers job you, you know that it's a short term nobody's yeah. in la that long yeah exactly it's just the can you maximize your short term yeah there you go um no but i'm going with jalen brunson you know, I think I'm so happy for him because he has been a good player and he just has elevated his play, especially when Luca was out those first couple games. And now the Mavs are going to get through partially because of him. And I think his, he, it's his. He this was off- Luca. He was Luca. Yeah. He like, was. Like, Luca was out and Jalen was just like, oh, I, I got this one. This, oh, playing playing the part of Luca today will be will be Jalen. It's like the understudy came in and was like playing the part of Luca. <laughs> he just he just wears the Luca Doncic jersey, <laughs> and it's like kind of too big for him. But they're like, but you know, there's something about this performance that really speaks to me. He's embodying like, Luca, really. Um, no, but he'll get a big contract this offseason if it's with the Mavs or not. And I'm very happy for him because he deserves it. Um, really good player. So he's most impressive for me because who saw that coming? I mean, he scored right. 72 points in two games. I mean, <laughs> like what? It wasn't It wasn't like he was like, oh, Jalen Brooklyn had some nice performances. He was like, I'm going to be that dude in these games so that we survive while our other players out. Yeah, I'm not, exactly. I'm not even gonna say superstar because Jalen Brunson be like, I don't give a shit. I don't give a <laughs> I don't give a shit. All right, Jan, give me a player who you think could really add to their legacy with a title run, and I mean, you know, all the way, not just NBA winning the NBA title. What player do you think could could really etch uh, etch some? You know, what's a good what's a good phraseology for that? I don't know. Etch I was going to say etch their name in stone, but like in my idea, their name's already etched in stone. How do you name? They're going to ask, how can they be jeweled their name? That's Embroider their name. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I think there's an obvious answer for this one, and I didn't go with it. Um, but I went with Chris Paul. Uh, I think, I like you that. know, his name is in stone, um, and it is slightly embroidered for sure, but he doesn't have a ring. And now he's going to have to duke it out with a good Pelicans team without Devin Booker. You know, if he can lead the Suns to the end and win it, I think, you know, you can start to give him that all-time point guard status that he deserves. I think that, you know, he is already in that conversation, but you can really, once he has that one title, now all of a sudden anything you can say against him. what a ring does. It's what it does. So I, I pick Chris Paul. Um, he's not, I think there's one other player that's more obvious, but I wanted to give Chris Paul some love because he got, he got kind of shit on that, that fourth game. And I hope he comes back. Yeah. The, the Pelicans are ready. They're ready to go. Who, wait, who do you, I want to know if it's, if my answer is the obvious one, that's to be the perfect segue to it. Who do you think's the obvious answer? James Harden. 
Okay, yeah. I think it's I think it's game card because he's he's now now that they're three and two, right? And and he's gone like nine for thirty-two in his last two games, and now Joel has come out and called him out almost. I'm like, okay, so here's one of two things is gonna happen. Either he does what we think he's gonna do, continues to play bad, they don't make it through the playoffs, even if they make it past the series, they don't get to the title, and he's gonna then, you know, say deuces from Philly because Joel's an asshole or everybody is a bad person but him. You know, or nobody gonna, likes me. Exactly. Or he's going to step the fuck up. He's going to win this series and he's going to go on and beat the heat. And then he's going to go on and, you know, and if he could do that and make a title run after all this bad talk going into the playoffs, he goes from an all time scorer to an all time great like he does. So especially like this, this, uh, you know, this title one w- would be remembered in a way that I think, especially with the Nets going sweet in the first one. You know, people were saying who won that trade and people were saying Brooklyn very we said Brooklyn, you know? So like yeah. I think that it, I think that it would be you a go big, win the title. You yeah, win the go, trade. Yeah, you do win the trade. So I thought that was the obvious answer, but it sounds like you didn't have James. So who did you have? I like that answer though, and I like I don't I don't think I don't think you're wrong by by the obviousness of it. I just wanted to know if my because I didn't think I, I don't think my answer is obvious. So I was just I want to see. I, I went with Steph though. Uh because I think I think Durant okay. joining joining Golden State, it did like Golden State could have won those two titles without KD, like they could have, and but he was there, and I think it it on, like that alone takes away from Steph's legacy in the sense, and also like both those Finals MVPs went to Durant, but I think it also like I think people forgot how really unstoppable he was pre Durant. Like Steph was I- incredible, and I think. If he can take this team, albeit it's, it's a great team in, in itself, but he he would be leading it, and I think that it would be tough for me to see them winning it and him not getting the Finals MVP. Go and get to fourth ring as a Finals MVP. I think just for and maybe more of it was how it was just I was thinking of the question of the bejeweled etched in stone as opposed to getting it etched in stone. Uh, but I think you know fourth ring Finals MVP, doing it with this team also where Draymond's still good, but he's a step slower. Clay coming back from injury. It's a, it's a lot of new guys that were better part of it. I, I think that would add a lot to, to his legacy of like being like, man, what a, what a champion to be able to do it in, in so many different sort of variations. I think his, his all-time greatness becomes much, much more of an, an argument. Like, I don't think anyone really would want to like really argue for Steph as like the best of all time or maybe even top five. And if he goes and wins a ring, I think he, I think he at least can enter. Steph Curry can enter the chat at that point. I, I don't know if he is a top five guy, but he's like, he, you can bring him up, you know. Well, how about this? He, um, you consider him a point guard, yeah? Even though he's kind of like a point guard, shooting guard. Yeah, I would um, say point guard. Okay, so right now, as we speak, so before any of this hypothetical, is he what? Where is he in top point guards of all time? My dad's friend always loves talking basketball with me. One of his favorite questions is, what's your all-time starting five point guard? Or starting five, like, team? And uh, last time he asked me, I said Steph Curry is point guard. And partly, too, because in, like, my head, like you're saying, like, Steph isn't a true point guard. But also in my starting five, I'm going to have LeBron James. (laughs) LeBron James kind of isn't a point. Like, you got they can share duties with each other. Like, Steph is, is versatile in that sense. So... I think most basketball people would 
lambast me if I put Steph Curry in front of Magic Johnson. I don't, I don't think I can right now. I think I would, I think I would like in my starting five, I'll take Steph in my rankings of point guards. I think, but I, I think I'd put Steph at two. Like, I, and I always I, argue too for Steph, like he changed the game. And that's a huge fucking argument to have when you're talking about all time greats in any sport. Right. Cause that's part of the thing that you say about Michael Jordan. You know, that's part of the thing uh, that, that goes for Shaquille O'Neal, the same thing. You know, I, I think that is a big point. So would you say Steph Curry goes, wins the championship finals MVP. Do you think then it can be said better than magic Johnson? I feel more comfortable saying it. Okay. That's, Cause I, that's, cause yeah. I kind of, I kind of think it anyway. Yeah. But and look, I, I love, and I love Magic Johnson. And Magic Johnson did things that like guys can't do. But the, go look at the Toronto Raptors. They're like all Magic Johnsons. Like the yeah. game is so like there weren't six nine guys doing what Magic was doing. And to be fair, there's not guys that can do what Magic is doing. But like that basic skill set is across the board now. Back right. then, it, it was like him and Larry Bird were few and far between. Right. No, yeah. I, yeah, that's a good conversation. I, I'm excited to see if we have that talk at the end of this uh, playoff run. We'll see. I hope we don't. <laughs> yeah, that would be a boring ending. Yeah. Yeah. They want enough. There's been that's so much fair. parody recently in NBA. We want, you know. Yeah, we want the Celtics to win. <laughs> All right, so we talked, Jan, damn. Uh, well, They've all, as much as the Celtics have dominated the sport, you know, historically since 88, only one title, right? So yeah. it's not like they've dominated in, in our lifetime by, by any means. Uh, Jan, most t- disappointing team so far? The Brooklyn Nets. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the Nets are the Jazz, right? They've like, yeah. And the Jazz, I know it's 2 3, but like that, that series doesn't feel 2 3. And if you don't have, if you're not playing Luka Doncic for the first three, games of that series and you're not up at least two one which they weren't then you're doing something very wrong especially if it's like a four or five series like they're not it's not a one eight and their star was out like it come on jazz right i mean i think it has to be brooklyn just because of what we expected like we didn't even know if jazz was going to get out of this first <clears throat> matchup let alone like make a run people were talking brooklyn like as long as they get out of the play and they'll be fine and they'll make a run and you know well, they, those people are idiots those people are idiots but still um boston milwaukee then probably miami or philly good fucking luck and yeah and then the Suns or the warriors are you know it's ridiculous but you know i do think you know going from one year beating boston in five to getting swept and not just getting swept to getting embarrassed on your home court uh for those of you that you know don't follow i was at that game three and let me tell you, it was an embarrassing home display. It looked like they had never played together before. And granted, we'll talk about this. They haven't really. But, you know, it it was like even my dad, who does not know basketball all that well, was like, what's going on? Are there people missing? Are these like people that don't usually play? Like, they don't know how to pass. They don't know how to how get together. Not, and the answer is kind of yes. Like yeah, that's exactly what's going on. It's yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's disappointing to get swept. You know, I, I think you know to perform on home court like you did because I think even you 
you know, as much as you were saying that Boston Nets was going to be a seven game series, you weren't thinking, you know, it's because the Nets are this all dominant team. You were thinking it's because they have these two stars. They'll protect home court like Boston will, and they'll make it six or seven. Um, and to, to go out of game three, game three for me was the, dis- was the one that kind of cemented the disappointment for me because to have your worst game, your first one in home court, it, it was bad. It was really, really bad. And for KD to play the way that he did, for Ben Simmons not to come and have all this drama, you know, it, it, it was really, yeah, it was hard to, it's hard to fathom. I don't know why I'm like, this is why I don't know why they even like brought up the Ben Simmons thing. Like it was, it was always just going to be like dumb drama, but yeah, I mean, it, it's a series too that like, I mean, it's always going to look bad because you got swept and KD really only played one good game. I think that game three, one, it was like they were, because like, it's easy to look at the series and be like, damn, the Nets got absolutely shellacked. The Nets were a layup away from winning game one and were leading, I think most of game two. So it's, it's also like, you have to look at the narrative of a full series. You lose two games like that when you're already a team that's kind of dealing with a lot. It's, it's not all that like service level. I get it. Holy shit. Four Oh, but like you really break it down. And it's like, yeah, that like, especially losing them in that fashion. Uh, I think like the biggest surprise to me really is just KD playing so poorly um, and not making the adjustments that we've seen a guy like KD um, do a lot to the, to be fair, Boston had answers for a lot of the adjustments he would make. Um, his, their head coach is very familiar with with Durant, and they were they were ready for him. But at the same time, like he he was missing shots that like you're just like Kevin Durant just doesn't miss that. Um, but it's it's disappointing anytime he gets swept. Like it, it was a tighter series than than I think the four zero would would suggest. Um, but yeah, for a team that. Albeit, I never saw making the NBA Finals. You would like to, you'd like to get a win. For some, for some reason, four zero uh, sounds a lot worse than four one. But like Stephen A. Smith this morning was like saying, like he's like Kyrie doesn't sound sad at all after that loss. I'm like, well, Kyrie also can do math. What? Nobody has ever come back from an 0-3 game. So like, yeah, maybe they would have liked to. I'm sure they would have liked to win that game, but I don't think anybody on. Like you, if you're down 3 I think you kind of in your head are coming to terms of like we're probably not gonna come. Like if you go and lose game four, are you really gonna be shocked? Like damn, who saw that coming? Like, like come on, Stephen A. Most right. most of Stephen A.'s critiques on Kyrie, I agree, but that one, I'm like that. You're not an idiot, right? And like also, I think Kyrie and KD understand, you know, and maybe this like not shouldn't have but maybe it did play into them not making the adjustments you know i think that they realized in the game two in the game three we are the worst positions team to play boston right now we are the exact opposite of boston we don't have a defensive identity and none of us have played together very long where boston has tatum brown horford tice smart I mean, all of them, it, that that whole five have played together for at least three, four years. Two of them went away and came back fine, but they all know each other like the back of their hand. They, like, all, tr- they, all, they all, they left and came back and have played together more than like anyone on the Nets. Is, like the Nets are. Exactly. And, have and you have played together. And, and yeah. any, do you think the KD carry, do you think that's like in fail, in danger of, of already being a failure? 
like them coming to Brooklyn? I think the flair is out, but not just yet. I mean, let me see one more year of it. I think there's a lot of questions. I think I agree. Can, Kevin Durant with Kyrie there and just who Kyrie is, he has to become more of a leader. Can he do that? Can Kyrie do more on the court than off the court? Let me give one more season, see if that happens now that the vaccine mandates have kind of slipped. Um, can Simmons return to even remotely towards that all-star status? You know, there's so many questions in the can air. Can you just go to Finn? Like, Finn <laughs> yeah. Simmons, the thing, like, that is what Ben Simmons needs to wrap around his head. They're not going to ask him to do all that fucking much. Like, let me right. just go run around to defend people. If you get I'm a couple sorry. dunks, that'd be dope. But, like, you don't have to shoot a damn ball ever. Yeah, the Nets almost came back in the third quarter of that of that third game. And let me tell you, I was there live. You know why it was? It's because Blake Griffin came out for 10 minutes and defended two things really well. And they got like a six-point swing off of it. And if you're telling me Ben Simmons can't do with Blake Griffin, who also has no actual limbs anymore, he's just made of mechanics at this point, like... I like that man. Wait, can I just tell you? Last time me and Matt went to a Nets game, we got Blake Griffin Blake t-shirts, shirts, baby. And my dad wanted something Nets to wear, and I gave him. And it was so funny because that game three, Blake Griffin went in, made like two threes, and made two great defensive Hell plays. Hell yeah! And I was like, oh my god, I, this is not happening right now. Dude, I, I love my Blake oh, shirt. Funny. Uh, no, Dude, but I, they all like? Were they all like extra larges too? Yeah, we got it's more huge, t-shirts. It's yeah. huge on your day. Let's yeah, go. Yeah, there you go. And he killed it. And granted, he was red in the face and needed to go out and didn't come back in afterwards. But Blake Ben Simmons could have done that too. But regardless, I think there's too many questions in the air to call it a failure just yet. I think if any one of those things happens, if KD can become more of that leader, Kyrie can play more on the court and keep the drama away, if Simmons can return to star like status, not even star, just average status, then I think that there can be a contender again. And I think what you said earlier is true. Like you have to look at the sweep as for what it really is. Like, yes, they lost four games in a row, but it was the fourth closest sweep in NBA history. They lost by like, you know, know points total. So yeah, it was something I saw this morning. I was like, they, Granted, for a sweep, that's hard to talk about because, like, who cares? You still got swept. But it is a big thing to talk about because it is. This, this Boston team is great. So to to be really close against this really great Boston team, like if they got swept by the Bulls, we would be talking about it. There would be a different conversation right now, considering where the Bulls are at versus where Boston's at. People are saying right. Boston can challenge Milwaukee, and and that's like you know if they can hold up with them that close, then a sweep doesn't look that bad. Well, it does become one of those things, too, where, like, and, and look, I don't think any either of us are, like, trying to totally absolve the Nets of, like, no. their issues and what they've done wrong uh, as far as just, like, adding a little more context to it. But it is a time, too, where it's just, like, I mean, yeah, they were the seventh seed for a reason. Like, there's 82 games were played this year, and the Nets were only good enough to get themselves in, a, in the seventh seed. I, it'd be kind of – like, it was kind of – it almost felt like deja vu – it's not the same scenario that I think we had more expectations for the, than the Nets than the Lakers last year, but the Lakers were technically defending champions and they were the seventh seed. And I think we all were like, Oh yeah, they'll figure it out. And then it was, it, they ran into the Suns, who were good throughout the year. And it was like, no, these like these, you get these seeds for a reason. You know, you don't just happen to be, you, you go and earn the second seed and you earn the seventh seed through however you play over the course of the season. And it, it's, Gonna, as much as we talk about like, oh, seeding doesn't matter. I, that's more when we're talking about, you know, the one, the two, the three. If you're the seven, it's, it's more of a mark of like, oh, yeah, you haven't been 
all that good. And if you're the two, you have. Right. And I think I saw something else today where Stephen A, you know, was lambasting them. But at the same time, he said Kyrie and KD were supposed to play 280 games together and they played like 56. And it's like, okay, so how could you say that you know what this team is going to be? Now, granted, we are also assuming that the situation changes, but I think this group has earned one more year of assumptions before we call it. And and that's, and he's, he's referring to, I think I would assume all three seasons. And to be fair, also the two major reasons they haven't played together was Katie being out with an ACL and, you know, a few other injuries, but we forget the other injury, literally just Katie ACL and Kyrie with his uh, vaccine thing. Like you take those two things away, all the other stuff that's come up it's kind of just like yeah that happens throughout basketball and i don't think we'd be talking about it as much and they'd probably or would hopefully look like a much better team uh, but even even with those guys being consistent you still think about like they came together and then they traded away so much of the team to get james harden and then you try to adjust for james harden and then you trade james Harden. like there's been so much shit that the like the nets have gone through like the lack of consistency with this team it it would have been somewhat shocking if, like, if we really looked at this this team and seen them go on a run because they've had no consistency. And also, this roster is not that good. They they need to fix this roster. Like, you right. need, you need you need more Blake Griffins. Yeah, you do. Or you need you know more mobile you, Blake Griffins. Right. Or like you just saw Boston come in right <clears throat> with Grant Williams, with Robert Williams coming back from injury, with Peyton Pritchard going out there and getting like eleven points in his time off the bench. You know, you need that strong three to eight. And right now they have a strong one to two and some other guy kind of shows up at some point. And that's just like not enough to compete with a good team. And also, I think the reason we're not lambasting them as much is because, yeah, obviously, did you watch them get swept? Like, that's such a boring conversation to have. Like, of course, it's disappointing. But hey, guys, listen up for all you guys trying to ruin KD's reputation in four games. Shut up. Like, come on. You're going to say all this. He was a toe away from single-handedly taking him to the Eastern Conference Finals last year. Yeah, or just like the whole of his career. They're saying like all of a sudden he doesn't deserve, you know, because the greats wouldn't do. I'm sick of that conversation. That's not what the greats would do. Like, come on. (laughs) Like, you're saying Katie's not great? Okay, watch him still dominate for the next six years, and then you can shut up about it. So stupid. It's the dumbest conversation. That's why we're having the interesting conversation of, like, what is to come from this aftermath from Brooklyn. Because, you know, it's not like this team's going away. And when other people are like, wait, are they actually going to make it? We're like, yeah, there was no... The problem wasn't the people. The problem was that they didn't, you know, the coach isn't really a coach right now. And the two players just did the best they could. And they had a good defensive scheme. They didn't get swept because the players are bad. I'm sorry. Right. Even though I know Boston swept uh, Nets, if you told me I could swap out KD for one of our players, I would say yes. (laughs) Well, and like, yeah, did KD play maybe his three worst games I've ever seen him play? Yeah, it it might be. Does that mean like... With the all other sample size that we've seen, and even his game four, where he missed he missed a couple opportunities, he probably should have missed in that one too. Uh, but like with all the other sample size we've seen of KD, am I really like, are people really ready to be like, man, he's done? Like you thinking they're gonna come back next year and KD's gonna be just not good at all? Come on. It's just like, I've never seen a faster turnaround from look how good he's playing to look how trash he is. I've just like, 
truly NBA Twitter. Let me tell you, we talked about Twitter being stupid. NBA Twitter does not make any sense at all. They're not making any sense at all. And it's like, I, you know, you guys need to shut up. Um, But yeah, I think the biggest, the biggest problem with Brooklyn was not, you know, an inherent failure of the trade. I think it was the trade. And you said this, Matt, so long ago, and I think you were right. And I think no one listened to you. And it's that this is not their year. Their year is next year. This was never going to be their year. And that's just the truth. Maybe they could have gotten past Boston. Maybe they could have won a game or two. But at the end of the day, this was not going to be their year. That was like the gauntlet that laid in front of them. They For a team that has had no, like, even if it was a team that was pretty cohesive throughout the year, it would have been so, so tough to Boston, Milwaukee, Heat. Toronto fit like it, nah, it wasn't wasn't gonna happen for them. Um, but the Celtics, like as crappy as the Nets looked, all credit to the Celtics as well. They certainly are a bona fide championship contender. Jan, last question regarding the NBA: Which one of these first round series are you most excited to watch the conclusion of? You know, I'm torn, um, but I think I'm gonna go with. I'm going to go with Grizzlies Timberwolves just because you have so many interesting storylines there. John Morant's not playing up to a standard. Can he turn that around? Anthony Edwards is playing out of his mind. You know, Cat up and down. What does he do? Desmond Bain is there as well. I I just think there's so many interesting storylines. I really think it's a toss up despite it being like a a two seed versus a seven seed. Um, You know, them coming back like. The team was collapsing in game three and then still coming back and winning game four. It shows a, shows a lot of resolve. Uh, yeah, and I said it when the playoffs were starting. I do think that the Timberwolves have enough dogs to really make this a fight, and they have. I think this goes seven games, and I think it's going to be, you know, it's going to be the one that's most exciting. I would say Suns-Pelicans because, you know, it's, it's, it's really interesting to see what happens there. I think this next game will be telling. I honestly think of the Pelicans win the next game that they they just win two straight and it's over. You know, I think that that Devin Booker injury maybe did more to Phoenix than we realize. Um, but at the same time, I think if the Suns win, I think that they just go on to win too. I think it's just this game is going to be the one that decides it. Um, and we'll see what happens because I think Chris Paul could also just come back and dominate. But yeah, my answer is Wolves, Grizzlies. What about you? I agree. I'm, I'm Wolves, Grizzlies. I Phoenix and New Orleans certainly not the, the second one, but I feel I feel like the T Wolves have more of a chance than the Pelicans. Not that I don't think the Pelicans have a chance, but I, I think it's a tougher ask of them than for the T Wolves. Also, just like the style of play in the T Wolves Grizzlies series has been so much fun. Like it's been up and down. You said it, man. Like Anthony Edwards has more than arrived. I've gained. I don't think I've ever gained so much like love and respect for a player on a team while also losing. Well, I didn't write a lot of love, but respect for a play. Like, Carl Anthony Towns is <laughs> – and Anthony Edwards is an absolute G. Like, Carl Anthony Towns is playing, like, garbage while Anthony Edwards is going off, and Anthony Edwards is like, fine, whatever, 